Come on. Who is thankful our God is alive? We serve a living, living God. How many of you appreciate our praise and worship team this morning? Amen. Spectacular. Mm. God's presence. Listen, let's, uh, let's get ready for the Word. Who's ready for God's Word today? You ready for it? Let's open our Bibles to John chapter 6. John chapter 6 is where we're going to hang out today for a few minutes. We're going to come to the communion table here in just a little bit. But we have been, um, we started out this month with a series uh, called Miracles. We're continuing in that vein. We are exploring seven miracles in the book of John. There's 34 distinct miracles throughout the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And John highlights or spotlights seven of those miracles. And each miracle is a sign that points to Jesus. How many of you believe that God still does miracles today? Amen. Is your faith there? Praise God. He really does. He really does. Just to hear some of the reports from a few of you this week who were involved in accidents and hearing the stories, it didn't sound good for your vehicle, but it sounded really good for you uh, as far as your, your physical well-being, thank God. And um, so praise God that you're, you guys are okay. Um, listen, I want to tell you that um, we, we're in the middle of, as a church, a 14-day time of prayer. We have prayer guides uh, that we like to put into your hands. They are at the connect table uh, right at the back before you leave this auditorium. Uh, please stop by if you haven't picked one up. We started this last Sunday, uh, and we're just in a time of prayer as a church leading up towards Easter. As Lindsay pointed out, it's just two weeks away. Uh, to Easter is just two weeks away, and as a church, uh, we're launching out as New Life Church, transitioning from Family Worship Center to, to, to uh, New Life Church, and so that'll happen on Easter Sunday. And um, we got some more exciting things to talk about regarding that, but we want to be on the same page. We want to be unified as a church. God pours out His blessing and His power and His anointing on a church, on people that's in unity. It's the same for a family, a marriage, a household, and his church. God wants to do big things in our church, and it's important that we stay unified. And so a church that prays together stays together, amen? And a church that stays together grows together. And so we're a praying church. And so I encourage you to stop by the connect table today before you leave. Pick up a prayer guide, and it's got some devotional um, information on there that help guide you and point you along the way in your daily devotionals throughout this time as we focus together in praying and seeking God together as a church. All right, John chapter 6 is where we're going to be. I want to open in a word of prayer over today's message. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for today. I thank you for your life, the life you give through your Son. Thank you for the for the power of your Spirit, God, that fills our life. And Lord, I pray today that, um, that, we, ha- that we be hungry for you. I pray that we have some, some hungry appetites for you today, Lord. Some thirsty souls for, for you. That you, are, uh, you draw near to those who come near to you. And you take note of those who are hungry and thirsty. For you say in your word that, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled and satisfied. So I pray today, Father, as we open your word, fill us fresh. Open our eyes. May we now give you our undivided attention. Give us ears to hear, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Anoint your word, and may it come forth in power and in love and in understanding. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Everybody agrees with that? Say amen. Praise God. John chapter 6. We're looking at the seven miracles that John points out. We've looked at three. Looked at the first three. Jesus turning the water into wine at a wedding in Cana. 
Then we looked at Jesus healing the, uh, the royal official's son. Last week, we looked at Jesus healing a lame man at the pool of Bethesda who had been in that predicament for 38 years. Today, we're going to look at two miracles, primarily because they, they, they fall on the same day. And so we're going to look at these two miracles today. And the two miracles are Jesus feeding the 5,000 and Jesus walking on water. All right? Jesus feeding the 5,000 and Jesus walking on water. In the first miracle of feeding the 5,000, Jesus uses bread to showcase that He is enough. That He is enough. That He is our portion that He fills our life, that He satisfies our life, and that we don't have to go around looking for other things and other people and other possessions to fill us to satisfaction, even though that's what our planet does. We're always looking for gratification and satisfaction and all these things, but Jesus really is the one who is the center of our soul, or at least He wants to be the center of our soul. And when He is that, He fills our life completely and fully to where, in fact, our cup runs over. That we don't just have just enough, but Jesus is more than enough for our lives. And then, in the second miracle, Jesus uses water to demonstrate that there is absolutely nothing that will keep Him back from His loved ones, from His people. And so we're going to look at these two today in light of those thoughts. And so today's message I've titled, Jesus is More Than Enough. Will you say that with me? Jesus is more than enough. Amen? You ready to get into this? A few of you? Okay. All right. Well, that answers for those who aren't, so I'm sorry. You're stuck. All right? Let's look at this. Verse 1, chapter 6. It says, after this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. And it says, verse 2, a huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Off the front end, I just want to point, point this out to us, that as Scripture says, Jesus crossed over to the far side, and huge crowds followed him. That if you feel far from God today, take heart. He's crossing over to come near you. If you feel distant from God, I want you to know there is no distance too great that Jesus cannot span, that he cannot cross and reach you. All right? Secondly, it said huge crowds followed him. That at the same time as Jesus is drawing near to us in perhaps any distance we might have, that we also must take note that we should pursue him, that we should chase him down. So I admonish you today, if you're distant and you feel distant from God, he is drawing near to you, but also you need to pursue him. You need to go after Him because your life depends on His presence in your life. And in fact is, He has everything you need and He will provide for you in everything you possibly will need. Not just in the physical, natural elements of life, but internally, deep within our souls because really our souls long to be created, or excuse me, long to be connected with God our Creator. So if you feel far today, Jesus is near. He's crossing over to get to you. But also, turn to Him and look to Him and pursue Him because He has everything that you need. Let's look at verse 4 or 3. It says, Jesus climbed a hill, sat down with His disciples around Him, and it was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Verse 5. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. And turning to Philip, he asked, Where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, Even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. 
Verse 8, then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and he said, Hey, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves of bread and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? The first part of this miracle deals with our part, our natural part. The second part of this miracle deals with the supernatural part, what God, what Jesus is capable of doing. So let's quickly look at this first part. Jesus noticed these huge crowds coming, and he asked the question, where can we go buy food to eat to feed all these people? And his disciples around looking, Philip looking at him, he's like, if we, there's not, we don't even have enough money to go and buy enough bread for all these people to eat. And Andrew Peter's brother spoke up, yeah, but listen, I found this boy. He's the only one who's got something. He's got five loaves of bread and two fish. But the question that he asked, or the statement in a question, but what good is that among so many? I think a question oftentimes we perhaps ask or even say back to God. What do I have that would really make a difference? Who am I? that I could even make a difference in this world. And we begin to doubt who we are. We doubt what we have and different things to that nature. And so whatever we have, and if we bring it to Jesus, this first part of this story shows us that Jesus can do a whole lot with a little. He can do a whole lot with a little. And so... He took five loaves and two fish. And the thing is, if we don't offer our natural things to God, then God very seldom will do supernatural things in our life. A lot of the miracles deal directly with Jesus taking natural. A lot of the Old Testament miracles, New Testament miracles, God taking the natural, touching them, blessing them, and doing his thing and making it supernatural right there in their midst. So if you and I withhold our natural and we're looking for God to do a supernatural miracle and we're needing him to do his thing, very seldom will God do his supernatural thing if we don't first offer up our natural. So what are we, get, what are we getting, at? getting at this? That God is looking for us to offer him something to work with. That's called faith. That is called faith. Offering God something to work with. So this first part of this miracle deals with our part. Offering ourself. Offering our life. Because many times believers and people want God to do some big things and miraculous things and answer prayers, but we aren't always willing to give God anything to work with. We have to be willing to give God something to work with. We must trust Him. Believe Him. Obey Him and give Him something to work with. It's the first part of this miracle. You know, you guys heard, um, Lindsay even prayed this earlier. You guys heard God's name Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide or the Lord my provider. That was first introduced in Genesis 22 with Abraham. God blessed Abraham, proving himself once again, his faithfulness. And he told Abraham, hey, take your one and your only son, go up the mountain and sacrifice him. So Abraham did that. He was on his way, created everything, prepared the altar, got everything set, tied Isaac down. It was about to do that. And the angel of the Lord stopped him. And actually one of the questions Isaac asked his father was, hey, where's the sacrifice? Isaac didn't realize he was the one who was supposed to be sacrificed. And he asked, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham, in faith, said, well, the Lord will provide a sacrifice. He went up the mountain believing that God was going to provide a sacrifice. And that's exactly what he did. The angel of the Lord stopped Abraham, said, don't hurt him. God sees your heart. He knows that you trust him, you believe him, you obey him, and you've given him something to work with, and now the Lord provide will provide a sacrifice. And Abraham turns and looks over in the thicket of the, of the brush, and there is a ram caught in the thicket, and that is his sacrifice. And Abraham named that area Jehovah-Jireh, the Lord will provide. 
And it's not just speaking of, we use that a lot these days in Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide about our finances. That's part of it. But really, the Lord, he, he, His answer to His people is, hey, I am. Capital I, capital A, capital M, I am. Is who He told Moses to, that, to tell the Pharaoh and everyone else that I am sending you. I have sent you. I am. Am. So, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider, or the Lord will provide, He will provide really what we need in our life. But we've got to trust Him. We've got to believe Him. We've got to obey Him, and we've got to be willing to give Him something to work with. Amen? We have to give Him our natural before God will do His supernatural. Amen? And I believe there's Quickly, I think there's like three big areas of things we can give God. We can give Him our time, we can give Him our talent, and we can give Him our treasure. Three big things that you and I have control over. We make decisions over, we steward over. Our time. We can give God our time. I really think it's fair to say we could really give God more of our time. We could pray more, right? Not just in crises, but in good times, right? We can give God more of our time in worship, in our, in our weekly gatherings as His church. We can give Him more of our time. We can give God more of our time to serve other people. We can give God more of our time to be with His people. We can give God more of ourself. Really. We really can. We can also give Him our talent. He blessed us with gifts, blessed us with abilities. Jesus tells a, a, a parable in Matthew 25 about the parable of the talents, that the Master came and He gave three people abilities, gave them, a, gave them talents each according to their abilities. And He went away and they were... They were entrusted with talents. One he gave five, one he gave two, and one he gave one. The one who had five worked, produced, invested, utilized himself, and gained five more. The one with two did the same thing. But the one with one talent hid his talent in the ground. Didn't do anything with what he was given. And the master came back, wanted to see the return on his investment... What did you do with what I gave you while you lived on this earth? What have you done with your time? What have you done with the talent that I blessed you with? The one with five said, hey, I did it. I got five more. And he said, that's awesome. You were good and faithful over a little. Now I'm going to give you a little bit more. The one with two, same scenario, same story. The one with one, not so much. The master didn't like the one who didn't do anything with what he gave him. Pretty much took it away, sent him away, and that was the end. We can give God more of our talent. How do we give God more of our talent? We give God more of our talent by being available, by being willing. Certainly, last night we threw on a big party for our church, appreciating all our volunteers and everyone who serves so faithfully and gives so faithfully. But I would encourage you, if you're looking to find God's will in your life, you're looking to find what is next, what does God really have for me, Start serving. God did not complicate His will for us to figure. It's not hard to figure out God's will. It really is not. First of all, it starts by having a relationship with Him. Paul says, stop conforming to the ways of this world and be renewed, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. First of all, it starts with a life yielded to the Lordship of Jesus. Secondly, it starts by just making yourself available. It's not about your ability or your inability. It really comes down to your availability. Many of us don't give ourselves to God more because we don't think we can. Perhaps we don't do it because we don't like to be stretched. Perhaps we even don't do it because we don't like to be inconvenienced. It happens. But God's church, the last time I checked in the New Testament, was a serving church. People who were active. People who were engaged. People who were just willing to serve. 
and you want to find God's will for your life, it starts by just taking the first step and then taking the next step and taking the next step and then taking the next step. And sooner or later, you will find yourself smack dab in the middle of what God created you for. You might not start out serving in an area that is like your best, your favorite, or your, you know, whatever it might be that you, you know, love to do perhaps. But if you will just start to serve and meet a need, God will make sure that doors get open for you to get to where you need to get. How do we give God our talent? We make ourselves available. We're always looking to increase ourselves here as a church in a way that we can always serve others and reach more people. So I would highly encourage you, if you're not a part of a, of a serve team, you need to check out and see uh, Karen Wise. Stop by the connect table or at our info and guest table here in the back. She'll talk to you. She'll help get you connected to a serve team. We're looking to expand our worship ministry. We're looking to expand our next-gen ministry and children's uh, services and classrooms, etc. We are looking to do that. Why? Because we believe we're called to be a serving church. Jesus served, so should his people. Amen? It starts with just making yourself available. Just make yourself available. It's amazing the opportunities and the doors that God opens when we make ourselves available. It's amazing that when we will just make ourselves available with our time and we'll make ourselves available for God to use me. You know, that was a cry and a, and a, and a prayer of, of, of Isaiah. The Lord said, who will go for me? Whom shall I send? And, and he said, hey, send me. Just take me, God. Send me. Use my life, Lord. Use me. Just send me. I'll go where you want me to go, and I'll do what you want me to do. I don't care what it is. I don't care if anybody notices or pats me on the back or pays me for it, God. I just want to be found faithful doing something good for the kingdom of God. Amen. I just want to do something good for the kingdom of God. When we make ourselves available to God in time and with our talent, God will make sure that He puts us in the right places at the right time with the right people. I got married really young. I got married at 22. That's super young. I didn't go looking and wanting to get married at 22. But here's what happened. I went looking and wanting to just serve the Lord. And so I went on tons of mission trips, went on tons of ministry opportunities, always serving in the church, always wanting to just do something good for the kingdom of God. And guess what? God gave me the desire of my heart. He gave me the most beautiful woman in the world. to be my bride. I couldn't ask, I couldn't, I couldn't script a better person for my life. And it's all the day she's not in here. Because she's, oh yeah, she's serving. That's right, yeah, she's serving. She's serving. By the way, she did a great job helping. She pretty much led the setup of yesterday's event. She had great help. She had a good posse helping her out. I don't know everybody that helps. I won't name names, but I do know she was great at doing that last night. She said, I, the, the setup, yeah, yeah, you don't have to do that. That's, that's great. The, the setup, she said, was more enjoyable than the breaking down. And the setup took about four times longer to do than the breaking down. My wife loves you. She loves you guys. She loves this church. She loves the people. And that's how God brought us together. We were out in the middle of a 114-degree desert in New Mexico. And God, how many miles away is that? About 1,200 miles away from here. And, and I didn't even live here. I didn't even know her at the time. And I was from Memphis. She was from Jackson. We connect in, in New Mexico out on the... On the out in the Indian reservation of all places, and that's where our eyes connected. And that's where our lives crossed. And the rest is history. 
not to toot our horn, but just, folks, if you will just get yourself available and make yourself available to God, God will get you where you need to be. He will hook you up with who you need to be hooked up to. Not just relationally in marriage, but I know that certainly will take place. But He will hook you up with the right job. If you will just start serving somewhere in the church and through the church, God will make sure He gets you where you need to be. Because He knows the end from the beginning. He is Alpha and Omega. He knows what needs to happen. And speaking of marriages, congratulations, Calhouns. Twelve years today. Twelve years today. Praise God. Praise God. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, and quickly, the third, third area we can, give, we can give to God is our, is our treasure. Is our treasure. If we, will, if we will be tithers and we will be givers and we will be generous with what God blesses us with to bless other people, God will always make sure He, gets, he puts more back into, into our hands. And here's the thing about that. God cannot, this is just the truth of the, of the gospel. God cannot and will not bless us, provide for us, and use us if we don't first give to Him. If you want God to give to you and make it straight and make it good, you've got to give to Him. That's the only way it works. And I would encourage you, if you're not a tither, you haven't started that or gotten into that yet with the Lord, I want to encourage, I think one of the best pieces of advice I can give you is this, start somewhere and be consistent and aim to quickly get yourself to the minimum of what to tithe means, 10% of your income. Aim to get there as quickly as you can and then ask God, take me beyond that. Take me beyond that. Here's what I want to say about that. In the Old Testament, the farmers, when they would, they would plant their seed and then it would become time to harvest, here's what they did. They would gather the first 10% of their entire crop, what they called the first fruits. They would take that first 10%, the first fruits, and take it into the temple and give it to the Lord. Then they would go and harvest the other 90%. They didn't gather the full 100% and then take 10% off. No, here's what they did. They took the first 10% and gave it to God, then harvested the other 90. What that says is this. When they gave God the first, they believed God for the rest. And that's what God's looking for, for us to look to Him as our provision to make Jesus more than enough for our lives. More than enough in what we need. And I'll say this to end this point. Those who do not live by the kingdom dynamic law of sowing and reaping and giving our tithe and offerings, hear me, we will not make it in these last days. That's not to scare anybody or to freak people out. That is just how the kingdom functions. It's how it functions. God will not lie. He never has. He never will. He's the keeper of His Word. He is a keeper of His Word. And there's obviously so much more I could go into on that subject that I'll reserve for a later time. But I just want to strongly admonish you, start somewhere. Start somewhere with your time. Start somewhere with your talent. And start somewhere with your treasure. And watch how God will be more than enough in your life. It's so easy to let what we cannot do to keep us from what we actually can. We have our part, but God also has His part. And here's His part in this, in this miracle. Verse 10. He said, tell everybody to sit down. He got the two fish, he got the uh, five loaves, and he said, hey, tell everybody to sit down. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. And then Jesus took the loaves gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. And afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. Galilee was about 40,000 people in population at that time. And the scripture here, John records 5,000 men, and so the studies go and theologians go to stay, say that there were most likely about 20,000 people right here at this moment. 
So over half of Galilee, over half of Galilee, 20,000 people followed Jesus to this place. And all 20,000 got a free meal. You know, people show up for free meals. Some of you did last night. <laughs> but it's not, Jesus doesn't hang it out to, you know, kind of, hey, come get it. No, he wants to be provider in our life. He wants to be. But we got to give him something to work with. So he told him to sit down. I think one of the first things after we give God our life, we give him our natural, we take note of what he said. Sit. The scripture says, be still and know that I am God. Instead of dictating back to God, now I gave you this, now I served here, and I volunteered here, and I'm giving my time here, and I'm sowing my treasure here, and I'm using my talents here, God. Now you got to do this, 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 and this. We can't dictate back to God how He will be more than enough in our life. We must simply be still and know that He is God in our life. Because when it comes down to it, we do not control it. God does. Amen? Now, God, if I serve here and I'm faithful here, then you got to hook me up with this. If I sow here and I give here and I'm blessing here, then, God, you got to make this happen for me. We cannot put demands like that on God. God knows what we need when we need it. We have to do our part and give Him our life, give Him our natural, and be still and know that He is God. Let Him work it out. Amen. Let him work it out. Is he God? Let him work it out in your life. Amen? Is this helping anybody today? And so, then he says, then he does the miracle. Took the five loaves. Took the two fish. First thing he did was he took, he took what they gave him. Then he thanked God for what they gave him. Then he distributed what they gave him. He still used the natural to do the supernatural. He took what they gave him. God will take what we give him. Then he will thank and bless what we give him. Then he will take it and use what we give him. Amen? He will use what we give him. So God's math is not the same as our math. Five plus two in this case does not equal seven. Five plus two in this case equals 20,000 meals and, as we'll find out, 12 take-home bags. Twelve doggy bags. Twelve leftover bags. Goes further to insinuate that Jesus is more than enough. So the miracle, I mean, really, it's one scripture... One scripture, verse 11, that's where the, the miracle, the big miracle happens, but the pre-miracle started with giving him what they didn't think was enough. You might not think you're enough. You might not think you have enough. You might not think you can do enough. You might not think that what you have to offer to God will be of any significance and of any value whatsoever. You might, you might think, man... What is, why is it even worth trying to tithe when I don't even have 2% left over at the end of the month? Why, is it even, why should I even bother trying to serve when there's so many more people who are capable of doing certain things? Why should I even try to offer my time and my help? I really don't know that I can make that much of a difference. You'll be surprised at the difference you'll make. When I was a student pastor in Memphis, I got a letter from a parent a good letter. And basically the letter said, I just want to let you know, this was actually about her nephew. It wasn't even about her, her own son. She said, I just want you to know about my nephew who's been coming to church, whose dad doesn't go to church and he doesn't have a mother and all these things are wrong in his life. But I just want you to know how much of a difference you're making in, this, in my nephew's life. And I happened to get that on a day and a week where I didn't think I was making much of a difference at all in anybody's life, much less my own. And I opened that letter and read that letter and I just began to thank God 
hey, he can still use me. Praise God, he can still use my life. So you might not think you can make much of a difference. You might think your mistakes are bigger than your miracle, but really the miracle is bigger than your mistake. If you'll just offer your life to the Lord, if you'll just yield yourself to him and give him your natural, God will do supernatural in your life. He always will. He always will. And so that's the miracle. It takes five and two, and he turns it into 20,000 meals. So here's the lesson in this miracle, real quick. First, verse 12. After everyone was full, after everyone was full, say full. Come on, everybody, say full. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, Now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves of bread. Here's the lesson. First off, Jesus is filling, and he will fill our lives, not needing other things to satisfy us. Everyone was full. You might have reservations about whether or not Jesus really is enough for your life. This story is proof that Jesus will fill your life. He will fill you with whatever it is that he knows you need. Companionship, friendship, money, food, encouragement, help, wisdom, Love, forgiveness. He is all. He is everything. He is our source. He is our source. Jesus is filling, and He will fill your life. The question is will you let Him fill your life? Will you make room for Him? Second lesson is this is to be good stewards for what He gives us. So they gather the leftovers to make sure none are wasted. When God blesses us and provides for us, that does not give us the excuse to be reckless and wasteful. Amen? If you have leftover of whatever, it means you should take care of it. You should take care of it. God does not, is not in the business of blessing so that we can be reckless and wasteful. Okay? So don't be that way. Rather, learn to monitor and measure your resources in a way that will enable you to continue to be a blessing. Monitor and measure your resources in a way that will enable you to continue to be a blessing. Because when you're faithful with little, kingdom law, when you're faithful with little, kingdom dynamic, when you're faithful with little, kingdom principle, when you're faithful with little, God takes note, says now you can be faithful over a little more. Now you can go here, you can go to this level, you can go to that level, you can go to this level. Now you can have a little more. That's how God's kingdom works. Be good stewards, amen? Don't be wasteful. Be a good steward of your time. Be a good steward of your schedule. Don't overschedule yourself to where you schedule yourself out of church, to where you schedule yourself out of real godly relationships that you need. Don't overschedule yourself and overexert yourself to where you can't serve others, to where you're always having to make sure you're in bed and asleep and you can't do anything. Be careful because in the end, it doesn't always pay off. But if you'll trust God, it'll always pay off and it will always work out. Be a good steward over your money, over your treasure. Be a good steward. Or if you need help and assistance in learning how to budget and, and look over your finances and things like that, call the church office. We will get you with the right resources. We will help you. Because it would be bad for me to say, hey, you need a tithe, but then it'd be, and, it, and then you don't know how to budget anything. If you were never taught that, you never learned that. So I want to encourage you in that. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Do not be afraid to ask for help. All right? 
I know we live in a day and time where we weren't taught all the things we need to be taught in order to keep going in life. We lack. That's why we have help. That's why we have assistance. So be a good steward over your ability. Be a good steward over your schedule. And be a good steward over your money. Don't be wasteful and don't be reckless with your life. Don't think you can, you can burn the candle at both ends and it not catch up with you. All right? Just be a good steward. And here's the truth. When you give the lesson, when you give and you bless others and you pour into other people's life, God will always make sure He pours right back into you. He'll never leave you empty. He'll never abandon you and never forsake you. That's the reality of God's Word, that when we bless others and pour into others, God will always, always make sure He pours right back into your life. Every single time. Because Jesus is more than enough. In closing, Jake, you can come on up. For the miracle to happen, guys, we need to give God something to work with. Jesus used bread to show that he's more than enough. And then this second miracle, Jesus used water to show and demonstrate that nothing can keep him from us. I'm going to just point these verses out and make these statements, okay? It says the, the very, that evening after, they, after he fed the 5,000, it said the disciples went down to the shore and they were waiting on God or waiting on Jesus and he never showed up. It got dark so they got into the boat and they got uh, into the water and they went and started going across the lake by themselves. First they were waiting. They got tired of waiting. Then it grew dark and so they said we need to get going without Jesus. They left without Jesus. In other words, their life was not in sync with him. If you feel like you aren't in sync with God, I want to tell you this. God is on his way to you. And Jesus, he will walk on water to get to you. If you ever feel like you're out of sync, you're out of touch, you just lost focus with God. It's like, man, I don't even know where God is. You, you, he's not here. I thought he would show up. I got tired of waiting, so I just went on ahead of him. I went on and pursued that relationship, whether or not he blessed it. I went on, took that job, just because I got tired of waiting on God. I went ahead and got into that venture. You know, I just, I, I needed to do it. I, I needed to have what it would offer, and God wasn't with you. We can all get out of sync with God, but take heart. God is near, and he's on his way, and he will cross, he will walk on water to get to you. He will walk on top of water to get to you. And he knows just what to do to get you back in sync. Then it says they started rowing. And as they were rowing across the lake, it said a, a, a big storm came up. It got really rough. Sometimes life gets rough, right? Life gets rough. If life is rough for you right now, I want to encourage you. Jesus is on his way, and he's walking on water to get to you. If life is tumultuous, difficult, hard to bear, hard to grasp, Jesus is walking on water to get to you because he sees you struggling. Then it said after they were rowing, they were about three or four miles out in the water, and they look up and they see Jesus walking on water coming towards their boat. <laughs> that was as far as they could go on their own. The truth is, you and I, we can only go so far on our own before we get to the end of our rope, before we hit rock bottom, before we crash and burn, before we lose our control, we lose our sanity. We lose all source of sensitivity and understanding about anything in this life. We lose our way. We lose our direction. We go as far as we can go. And they went as far as they could go. And they look up and see Jesus walking on water. You know, if you want to walk on water, you've got to be able to run 67 miles an hour. Anybody run 67 miles an hour? Run. The fastest clocked 
foot speed on our planet right now is 27.79 miles per hour by the Jamaican Olympian Hussein Bolt. Even he falls two-thirds short of being able to walk on water. And he is fast. That's why he's bolt, lightning fast. Now you see me? Now you don't. So Jesus walked three miles on water to get to them. There is nothing that Jesus cannot do to get to the saving help of his people. So if you feel like your life's out of sync, feel like your life is rough, too rough, you feel like, man, you've gone as far as you can go, here's the deal. Jesus is walking on water to get to you. And the last verse of that miracle story is this. They were eager. They were eager to let Jesus get into their boat. They had they were tired of being out of sync and out of step with God. They, had, they were tired of the rough parts of life beating them down. And they were tired because they had gone as far as they could go on their own. They were eager to let Jesus get back into their boat. And it said immediately, Jesus got them, directed them to their destination. Out of sync, life too rough, gone as far as you can go. Be eager today to let Jesus in your life. Be eager to open up more of you to Him. Because in a moment, in a moment, literally in a moment, Jesus can immediately redirect your life and get you right back in line with your destiny. If you're sincere. Jesus used bread show that he was more than enough. He used water to demonstrate nothing can hold him back. And in that chapter, he goes on, he talks about himself. He says, hey, I'm the bread of life. Jesus uses bread. Jesus uses bread. Symbolically breaking bread to say, hey, This bread is me, I'm broken for you, and I will make your life whole and complete. I will make things in you make sense. I will put you together, and I will keep you together. I will hold you together. And Jesus used a cup of wine to to demonstrate that his blood, his blood is powerful enough to forgive our sins. There's not a mistake that Jesus can't cover, that He can't handle. And Jesus told us in His Word to come to the table often. And as often as you do, remember me. Remember me. Let's stand to our feet. Today when you come to the table, come to the table in this mindset. Come to the table in this mindset that Jesus is enough. He's more than enough for your life. He's more than enough healer. He's more than enough forgiver. He's more than enough provider. He's more than enough forgiver in your life. Jesus is more than enough. I think Jesus did that miracle with the feeding of 5,000 and walking on water. Because he wanted to prove to his disciples. He wanted to prove to his disciples, hey, you're going to go through difficult times. You're going to have problems. You're going to have things that come against you. You're going to have some times where, man, it's going to look like you're running short on the dollar and long on the bills. You're going to have times when you are faced with physical ailments and issues. And I believe He did that miracle, those miracles to say, hey, trust me, I'm more than enough. 
So today as you come to the table, come with the heart and the mindset that your faith rests in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. Because He will never let you down and never fail you. He will always be there. And He will always be more than enough in your life. After you take the elements today, if you would like prayer of any kind, if you'll just step over to the center, I will meet you here in the center and I will pray for you and pray with you if you need prayer after you come to the communion table. Today, let's come to the table knowing, remembering, Jesus is enough. He's enough. God, I thank you today. I thank you for this opportunity to be together with our church family and in your presence. And Lord, we come today to your table to remember you and to be reminded that you are enough. You're enough for us. You provide enough. You'll make enough. You forgive enough. You heal enough. You love enough. You are more than enough in us. Forgive us. Where we have tried to play God and do your work for us. Forgive us. Forgive us, Lord, where we have tried to make situations have the outcome that we want to see happen. And we didn't let you be involved. Lord, forgive us where we have gotten hasty and ahead of you. Forgive us, Lord, where we have been involved in relationships and situations that were not ordained by you because we just thought we had to have them in order to make us happy. Or we thought we needed to have this and be in that in order to make us happy. Jesus, today, I pray your spirit will be great in us as we take the bread and the cup and we remember and we have great confidence and assurance you are more than enough. Fill our life fresh, I pray today, as we come to the table. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. The table's open, come. If you need prayer after the elements, come to the center and I will pray for you.